In this episode, we'll discuss Apple spearheading digital health efforts in the industry, loyalty to a person versus a cause, and matching your portfolio to the job. Welcome to Colored by Design. This discussion series looks at design issues through a uniquely biased lens. Our hope is to empower a new breed of creative as they enter into, mature, and navigate through the business world. I'm Corwin, Senior Global Creative Director. And I'm Jesse, Senior Experience Designer. Let's get into it. Good evening. Good evening, sir. How's everything? Going well. How about yourself? Oh, good. Nice to be back in the studio, seeing you face to face. Back in the studio. Yeah. Hopefully we've resolved those sound issues Yeah. Uh, after a few weeks of remote collaboration. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> I, uh, it'll do in a pinch, but definitely not the preferred, uh, not the preferred way to go about it. Right. Cool. So I was um, scrolling through Twitter the other day, which is an increasingly rare occurrence. Why is uh, it rare? Oh, man, I just can't handle it. It's yeah. a more wretched cesspool of crime and villainy you'll you'll never see. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I I got on early, and I, I try to get on early all these platforms because, again, I'm always of the, spirit, of the mind that you can't get left behind. Right. But, man, I couldn't see the value. Uh, I mean, it's a great tool for some. Yeah. And a lot of people are using it in a positive way. Some using it in a, in a, in a kind of a, a, a funky way. Right. But, yeah, it's not for me. Yeah, I've been on since 2009. I think I was going into my uh, senior year of high school, and I, I got on there. And it was very different back then, obviously. And, you know, you, you see a lot of the issues with people having super old tweets. I've definitely been on the platform long enough to have those embarrassing old tweets. But I have uh, – I installed probably a year ago an extension that I, I saw Mark Cuban talking about. Mm which is like this tweet will expire or something, mm. expire.com or something like that, where nice. you hook it up to your Twitter and it'll go back and you can set like a time limit after which it'll delete all the tweets. So I did that years ago. Um, I think at this point it's like any tweet that's older than three months just gets deleted. That's interesting because there's a, here, here comes the daily crypto blockchain, <laughs> <laughs> blockchain kind of piece. But no, there's a platform, there was a, a discussion about, you know, creating a social platform that, is on a blockchain where mm -hmm. you can't delete those right. posts, right? Right. And the hope was if we have an immutable record that can never be deleted, would you be more thoughtful mm -hmm. uh, with the type of information that you choose to publish, you know? Yeah. And I was sitting there, I was listening to this this this, this podcast or whatever, and I was driving into work, and I'm like, nope, nope, yeah. nope. <laughs> because when you're a kid, if you're a high schooler or, or a teenager right. or even a young adult, you're going to say some stuff that's just... Regrettable. Oh, my God. I have regrettable moments almost every day. Yeah. And I'm driving home. <laughs> And and myself and one of the other guys at work, he's like, I, I have he's like I have a VCR mode when I'm driving home, mm -hmm. not DVR mode. He's like, I'm old, I'm VCR <laughs> mode, so I'm rewinding the day, like regretting. Oh, I could have yeah. said that differently. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. So, dude, I would hate that. Yeah, yeah, dude. And what's interesting, real quick, and I'll let you get to what you're saying. Oh yeah. But when we first, uh, when I first started hiring one of my uh, my my boss at the time, she was telling me she's like, did you check their social media account? Mm -hmm. And I'm like. You're actually on. She's like, oh, yeah, because think about it. What they post online is can be quite representative of what you're going to experience in the office. Right. And I was like, I, I never liked that because I don't really want to know you that well. Right. I want to know, can you do this <laughs> job that I need you to do? Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want a psychopath coming in the in the room. Right. And and maybe that could get us to some of this censorship stuff and like, hey, when do you decide this is a violation of our policies and we're going to shut you down? Like yeah. some of the other people we've seen yeah. uh, getting taken down on some of these platforms. But um, yeah. But anyways, very fascinating. So anyways, you were scrolling 
and, and, and cruising through uh, Twitter. Well, actually, this is uh, related, so a, yeah. a good tangent there. Um, but there was a tweet that has gained some traction uh, by uh, Catherine Burblesing. Um Her at is Miss Snuffy. Um, ah, nice. You got love Twitter? I just wanted to make sure that I didn't mispronounce her last name. Right. Um, Shout but, out to Miss Snuffy. Right. It, it was a, a an excerpt from what appears to be a, a newspaper article um, that's a viewpoint about tech billionaire parenting. And I'll read it in its entirety because um, I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Melinda Gates' children don't have smartphones and only use a computer in the kitchen. Her husband, Bill, spends hours in his office reading books while everyone else is refreshing their homepage. The most sought-after private school in Silicon Valley, the Waldorf School of the Peninsula, bans electronic devices for the under-11s and teaches the children of eBay, Apple, Uber, and Google staff to make go-karts, knit, and cook. Mark Zuckerberg wants his daughters to read Dr. Seuss and play outside rather than use Messenger Kids. Steve Jobs strictly limited his children's use of technology at home. It's astonishing if you think about it. The more money you make out of the tech industry, the more you appear to shield your, your family from its efforts. And that was from Alice Thompson in the Times. Um, this has been making the rounds on Twitter, like I said. And I found it really interesting um, to think about. Yeah, no doubt. It's, it's So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a parent and... Uh, we live here in Dallas. The mm-hmm. heat is serious in the summertime. Yeah. So you don't see a lot of kids running around. Right. Uh, like we used to when I was a kid growing up. Yeah. Um, instead, they're inside in air-conditioned environments, chilling and playing video games even more than we did when we were young. Right. And uh, and on YouTube and, and Instagram and Snapchat and just, you know, hanging out with their friends. Yeah. So on one hand, it's really cool because it has kept relationships like w- no matter where they are in the world. Um, it's helped us keep our West Coast family connected to us being being here. Right. Um, but at the same time, I do definitely see a difference when my kids are on their devices 24-7. Right. Versus when, you know, we pull it away from them because they need to focus on their homework or they've done something. So we pull it away for punishment. Right. Um, I see a tremendous difference. And they do, too. Yeah. You know, so the fact that these tech giants are building these tools, and I've heard this a while back. I think it was even in... Uh, Steve Jobs, I think it was in the movie, mm-hmm. you know, that he was like, I don't, you know, I don't want you on this stuff. You mm-hmm. know? Um, but yeah, it's fascinating, right? And and um, they're tools, and uh, we use them as babysitters and yeah. everything else. So it can get definitely can be unhealthy. Yeah, and so that statement kind of got me to thinking: um, what efforts are taking place in the tech industry to kind of mitigate the risks of? you know, all of us being on screens all the time. I think there's been an uptick in the belief that being on your phone 24-7 isn't necessarily healthy for you. Um, And this has been spearheaded, some would say, by Apple. Um, And in their most recent WWDC, um, Apple announced a suite of tools that they're going to release in iOS 12 um, that will help you manage your your screen time. Um, It's called screen time. And what it does um, at its core is empower customers with insights into how they're spending time on their phone, so apps and websites. It'll create uh, detailed daily and weekly activity reports that show the total time a person spends in each app they use. And they hope that by understanding how they're interacting with the iOS devices, people can take control of how much time they spend in a particular app, website, 
or category of apps. So you can set time limits for yourself. If you're on Instagram, if you feel you're on Instagram too often, you can say, you know what, remind me after three hours, I've been on Instagram for three hours, right? Yep, yep. No, it's it's it's, it's needed. And it, it's funny because it's like, you know, I always, uh, I, I try to be one of those people that says, hey, if you know it's not right, just try to do your best to have some self-control. Right. And your own, you know, exert your own willpower onto the, onto the task at hand and, and see if you can do it without the, the, the aid of technology. Right. You know, um, if, if you want to, if you want to work out regularly, hopefully we can be disciplined and say, let me go old school and put together a plan for myself and commit within myself to do X, Y, Z versus having to have four alarms set in the morning. Right. I got to have a personal trainer that I'm paying $250 a month for. Right. I'm doing all these other things. I'm looking at my mood board with all these pictures to <laughs> kind of, you know, remind me of how sexy I'm trying to be for the, for the, for the beach season. Right. You know, um, the techno, I, I appreciate them on saying, hey, look, but as a company, we are going to try to be, you know, socially conscious and like focused on humanity. Right. And the well-being and the wellness of people um, and putting tools in place that are going to try to help you where we can help you. Right. That's kind of cool. Right. You know, I, don't, I, I like that they're trying to say, hey, look, we can help in this way. Right. You got to do it yourself. A, you got to set the settings. Then when the settings come on, you got to abide by it. Right. You know, but. We can try to help you as best we can, but we can't control you. Right. Um, we want to give you the tools you need to try to be successful in your life. I think that's great. Yeah. And, you know, these were introduced um, at least initially as a suite of kind of parental control tools. So mm -hmm. where you as a parent and the owner of the iPhone can actually make, you know, certain apps not be able to be opened after the time limit is up. Right. And right. so you could, they are trying to help you parent. Um, and giving you the tools to make it easier for you to say, hey, what did I tell you? Because you're not going to necessarily be watching your kid 24-7. They have their phone with them all the time. Right. Um, so they're trying to do that. But, you know, a side effect of that is they can tell us, too, like, hey, this is the amount of time that you've been spending on this. Just so you're aware, you know, we're not gonna, we can't stop you or we, it's not our position to try and stop you from doing what it is that you want to do. But, hey, here are the tools. These are how many calories you're eating, you know, and, and by way of example. Right, for sure. So, you know, and also a lot of people will talk about, oh, well, you know, Apple can do this. Apple can take this stance because their business model isn't dependent on you being on your screen all the time. You know, they make their money by selling software differentiated hardware um, and at a, at a pretty high margin. So, you know, they, they don't care how much time you spend on your phone as long as you buy the phone from Apple. But I think that even if even with that being the case, you know, it it takes someone to take that first step. Yeah. And, you know, I, 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 I challenge, I challenge that um, if you run a business, for example, I used to work at an auto parts garage back in the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had the parts department that, you, you know, you sold all the parts and stuff like that. And I drove delivery, so I would deliver to all the mechanics around town. Yeah. And then we had a shop in the back where people would come in and bring their cars and trucks and all that, and they'd get work done. Yeah. We could tell customers all day, every day, <laughs> you need to change your oil regularly. Right. You need to get regular tune-ups. You need to not drive as hard. Don't ride the brakes, Mrs. Jones. That's right. why you keep coming in here three or four times a year <laughs> getting new brakes or whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. People are going to do what they're going to do. Right. And while they appreciate the advice, they still come back and let you work on their car. Why? Because you were an honest, upright person. Right. 
So let's say I am Facebook. What Apple's doing, okay, I was going to say this, but I'll say it now. Apple has done three things that I can see that are empower. It's almost like power to the people. Mm-hmm. Number one, when the FBI wanted to get into that phone, they said, nope, mm-hmm. we're not going to do that. Why? Because the privacy of our customers' data and information is, is sacrosanct. We're not going to violate that. Right. Number two, when they were talking about all the data breaches, Tim Cook said in that MSNBC uh, town hall that they did, mm-hmm. he said, I would never, Apple would never find ourselves in that situation where we've sold and pimped our customers' data that way. Right. We're not going to be in that position. And now three, when they came out with the uh, the WWDC um, here, uh, you know, a couple, what was it, last year? A couple months ago. Uh, yeah, a couple months ago. Yeah, a couple months ago. Um, I was shocked to see that they didn't have as many big, flashy, new shiny things to share right it was a lot of smaller nice advances but this this these tools to help you with your um, time on the device Mm -hmm. and so that's three things that i personally have seen i'm sure there's more that they've made efforts but they're really trying to position themselves as look we are a a technology company but we're totally here for the people right and we're going to take care of our people as best we can and promote best practices for the people because just because we're going into this heavy technology age, right? We don't have to be subservient to it. We don't have to be, you know, lose ourselves to this stuff. Uh, social cues, you know, or, or social uh, uh, behavior is is dwindling because mm-hmm. people don't know how to act, right? Right. I mean, again, my kids are great. They're talking about, oh yeah, I'm dating so and so now. Great. Mm-hmm. I've never seen you with them. <laughs> yeah, we've been going out now for about three or four months. <laughs> How is that possible? Well, you know, we got a relationship online. Right. It's like, no kidding. Yeah. So it's fascinating. But um, but I do think that even if Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or any other platform or any other company were to be straight up legit with their customers, I actually think it would have a reverse effect. I don't think it would hurt mm-hmm. Facebook any to say, hold on, guys, this is the best way that you should use the platform. Right. I think you would get more love and more followers and more adoption because you're demonstrating that you actually have – a conscience and you're gonna be you're gonna do what's right regardless of selling out right for for the dollar right you know so i think it might actually work in their benefit to right. be to take some of the cues that apple has taken yeah you know over the years so. and i love that you know the most valuable company in in, in the country uh and in, in, in the world um is taking these stands now obviously they're not yeah. perfect no, no company is and i'm sure that they've done things that you know uh, that we may not know about that aren't, you know, exemplary. Yep. But they also have done a lot of things that are exemplary that we can see. Yep. And that help kind of set the standard for this is how you can act when you put your user at the heart of, of everything that you do. Yep. Um, and that you really value them. And, and, and so, you know, I really ad- admire Apple for that. And one of the kind of runoff effects of that is that the rest of the industry by virtue of iOS being so dominant kind of has to follow suit, right? So if uh, screen time causes our time and Facebook's family of apps by way of example to go down um, or, or they're seeing that, wow, I'm on these apps all the time, this is really unhealthy mm-hmm. and it gets away from them, that can have a negative impact on their business. And so what they're, what they're doing in order to kind of head that off is introducing their own kind of digital health initiatives Who's doing that? Uh, uh, Facebook and Twitter. Facebook, Twitter. Um, okay. One of the one of the things that I've noticed recently is uh, not recently. I've noticed it for for about a couple months now. Um, they introduced on July second a new feature called "You're All Caught Up," 
And um, with this feature, you know, you're scrolling through Instagram, you're scrolling, you're scrolling, you're seeing ads, you're scrolling, you're seeing ads. But at some point, they'll tell you, hey, you're all caught up. Um, you've seen all new posts from the past two days. And this is kind of counter to what you might expect that they want out of you. You know, they make money when you see an ad or when you interact with an ad. So it's to their benefit that you keep scrolling forever. But they've realized that there is uh, maybe an inverse relationship between the time that you spend on their platform and your well-being. They're starting to realize like, hey, you know, more passive consumption of content isn't great for the end user. And so they're trying to um, enter ways in which you can feel safe getting off. Like, okay, I caught up. I'm done. I can get off, which is really interesting. It is interesting. And I wonder what kind of – let me ask you because – I use, you said that one, the, the you're all cut up was on Twitter or on Instagram? It's on Instagram. It's on Instagram. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm, I use Instagram. I do quite like Instagram. I don't, I'm not on it long enough to scroll, scroll, scroll enough to get to kind of the you're all caught up status. Mm-hmm. Um, I just bail out before because I'm like, okay, I'm good. Right. Um, how did you feel? Because, you know, there's obviously, you know, um, you know, chemical releases when we see somebody like my post, mm-hmm. right? And, oh, I've got two messages or yeah. i got two new followers or five new followers or whatever it is. How did you feel yeah. when you saw that I'm all caught up? Right. Um, so there's been a couple of different iterations of the Instagram timeline. There's the chronolog- chronological version and then there's like the algorithmic version. Um, and I think that it's algorithmic now it used to be chronological so there was at one point a time where you could see like oh these posts are all from three days ago like i can probably hop off mm-hmm. um but there there may have always been that itch where like oh did i miss something you know is there something new that i could have seen right um when I, when they switched to the algorithmic feed a lot of people weren't necessarily happy because now all their posts are out of order and i'm seeing a post from two days ago above a post from 15 minutes ago and it's a little bit more confusing mm-hmm. and that's done to incentivize that you keep scrolling mm-hmm. um because there might always be a new post that just you can see if you keep if you keep going right so this you're all caught up feature is kind of counterintuitive to that thinking that algorithmic feed thinking um it's a it's i think it's probably the best of both worlds in that um you can still be shown an unordered feed and that's better for placing advertisements in. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also still get the feel of I've seen everything. And it was a lot like inbox zero where, you know, you, inbox zero for those who don't know, I'm sure you probably do is when you are going through all your emails, maybe for work or, you know, maybe you've been a, away from your phone for a couple of days and you have a lot of emails in your inbox and you feel like you're never going to get through all of them. But you just open each and you read each and you do what you have to do with each one. And eventually you're at the end and there's no more emails for you to go through. And for a lot of people, that's like, I can breathe a sigh of relief. Like I took care of everything I need to do. Right. And this is kind of a very similar feeling. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Actually, what's interesting, and I'm just going to go on a little bit of a fun tangent and shout out a, a friend of mine that I used to work with. Um, her name's Amanda. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was one of these people that had like, I think it was literally like 15,000 emails unread. Yeah, just sitting there with red circles. Yeah, and she's like, (laughs) and you know, I never knew that the alert pill could like expand that long of an oval, right? I thought it was a circle. It's like, no, that thing expands. So some of you guys probably know that. And one day we were sitting at work and she's like, oh, I'm so stressed. I said, part of the reason why you're stressed is because you feel like you got a lot going on. Yeah. It's like, I do have a lot going on. Look at my (laughs) inbox. I'm like, you have 15,000 messages. There's no way you have 15,000 things to reply to. Right. She's like, but what if I do? I'm like, but you're never going to get to them. Right. So I said, okay, here we go. I'm going to have you 
look at the most the ones that came in from today and yesterday mm-hmm. and even you know maybe we went back a little bit but i said now that you've gone through those i want you to select all and mark as red <laughs> and she's like dude i can't do it i can't I said, no, no 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 i want you to do it and so she did it and it was like there was mixed emotions about it yeah um she felt good because almost like you said kind of like you cleaned out your closet mm-hmm. you kind of finally got the, the the laundry done or the dishes done or that task or whatever yeah but she was really but it gave her a little bit of a woosah moment mm-hmm. you know um so yeah so i'm always just curious like those things are quite distracting and i was just wondering if when you saw that little check oh you're all caught up if it made you feel like oh great i can put this down now yeah you know and i know you mentioned like uh some of the uh, scrolling habits of uh of your significant other Mm -hmm. um mine does the same thing where like you know they'll just be laying around laying in bed on a saturday morning Mm -hmm. or or, you know, late at night when I kind of don't really feel like watching TV, it's like, oh, I'm just going to scroll my feed and look at little funny videos yeah. and see what friends are doing. And uh, it's interesting because I think we've replaced before. Think about the technology evolution over time. Before, we used to just read newspapers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Then we got radio. Yeah. Now we're listening to radio to pastime. Then television came along, television to pastime. And now we have these technologies. Or, well, then, you know, we had, uh, 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 like, DVDs and stuff, so then I could watch what I wanted whenever I wanted. Mm-hmm. And then we had the VCRs and things. I mean, kind of got it out of order, but you know, you had VCRs, so you could record and watch and play back as many times as you want. Right. Um, and now we've got these devices in our hand and in the bedroom and and in the car, unfortunately, and on the train and at work that we can kind of pass time um, with devices. It's almost like we've always been trying to pass time and just kind of veg out with TV, radio, news, whatever. Right. Um, now we just have a different medium by which to do it. Right. And I, in some respects, I think it's getting a bad rap mm-hmm. because really we've been doing it, maybe not to this degree. Right. You know, because people have their heads down 24-7. And this device is always on us. That's, always that's on where us. it's different. By the bed. Right. You know. Um, so anyways, I think it's just an interesting time. Uh, but one thing you said that I'll kind of just maybe I'll hit a little bit mm-hmm. is you said, you know, Apple, the wealthiest company in the world right now. Mm-hmm is taking these steps to really take care of its users and set a positive example for its community and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to dabble just a little bit in a little bit of politics, just for a hair. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously, you know, we're here in the United States. And so right now we're seeing some things happening in our political system that depending upon which side of this, this debate you're on or this side of the thing you're on, you know, it's, it can be a little, frustrating Mm -hmm. you know you see i always said i don't really care who's president because i I like to think that our 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 branches of government and our 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 laws are set up in such a way that you can only do so much good or so much harm Mm -hmm. you know it's like the checks and balances are in place to keep everything kind of you know where you can save it if it's a really bad thing that can can ruin us or Mm -hmm. you know or enough room to you know create some opportunities to make things better um but I would, I would always was like, I want our leadership to really be a good example for us as a people, as a nation. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I, you know, you know, we were kind of talking about like loyalty and, and things like that. And, you know, are you loyal to the person or are you loyal to the cause? Right. You know, and and I, I really want to encourage there's obviously great places to be loyal to a person. Mm hmm. Um, but I like how Apple's taking this lead and saying, no, we're going to be loyal to the cause. Mm-hmm. We're going to be loyal to being a good steward over the people that trust us with their, 
you know, time and with their eyes and with their ears. We're not going to publish any old content. Mm-hmm. We're not going to let any old publishers on our platform. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to do our best to kind of moderate our store, so mm-hmm. to speak. And I really appreciate that. And I think that some companies shy away from that. Right. But I don't think you should shy away from it. It's like, hey, if I want to go to a adult bookstore, I can go there. Mm-hmm. They don't have Time Magazine on the shelves there. they got certain other content. If I want to go to a kid's bookstore, they have kid's content there. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a corporation, I should be free to say, hey, I believe my audience responds to this kind of content, this type of material. I want to make sure I'm serving this type of audience that I've attracted here. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with being loyal to the cause or to the mission or to the values that your organization or that you personally have set up for yourself, you know? Right. And, you know, there's lots of discussion around is iOS being a, a walled garden a good or a bad thing? Um, should Apple take the stance of a curator or should they take the stance of a, a neutral platform? And, you know, these are hard questions that a lot of companies are struggling with, especially when they get to the scale that Apple is at now. You know, we've seen Facebook and their content moderation um, struggles over the past few years. We've seen Twitter and their content moderation struggles. You know, it's like when these digital platforms reach a certain level of maturity, there are a lot of issues that they run into and policies and human review processes and different technologies, maybe you're utilizing machine learning to determine if something is good or bad and and things like that. And really, um, it comes down to what are your values? What are your policies? But then even beyond your policy, what is it that you value? What is it that you're trying to empower? What is it that you're trying to kind of steer away from? And I think what we've seen with Apple, especially when you have it in uh, contrast with something like a Facebook or a Twitter, is that they have a stronger set of kind of guiding principles. At least it seems that way from the outside. Uh, And it's a more mature company. They've been around longer. They've had more of a chance to put those policies in place. But I still think that, you know, their guiding light is what allows them to make the decisions that they make. So you say it's a hard, a hard topic that some of these companies are struggling with. Why do you think it's a hard issue, a hard topic? Well, what you think is proper to post on Facebook, I may think is hate speech. Right. Um, and if I'm using Facebook as an example, you have every side of the political spectrum on that platform. And not only in the United States, but around the world. Mm -hmm. Um, With 2 billion people, you have hundreds of different languages on the platform. You have different racial and ethnic groups that are on the platform. And so the speech of one group um, may be in direct opposition to the speech of another group. At what point can you no longer allow that speech on the platform? Um, What are the kind of triggers that say, okay, this violates my policies, we have to remove this versus this is within within their right to say, it's within their free speech, protected by their right to free speech, even if it's um, degrading to another, you know, class or group of people. And so there's there's um, an ebb and flow and a really kind of fine balance to be struck there that, you know, may, no, not may, no one will ever be 100% 100% happy with everything Facebook does. Right. And it's interesting. I, I, I'm going to take the complete opposite stance. Not the complete opposite because I know, you know, it is, it is, a, it is a line. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg said something that I thought was great one time. She said, 
you do have the freedom of speech. You also have the freedom of consequences that come with that freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. So I can call you a terrible name right now, and you can either be gracious or you can take that big old meat hook and knock me upside my head if you want. Mm -hmm. Right? Either way, I'm, I, I, there are consequences to what we say, pros mm -hmm. and cons, good consequences and bad consequences. And I think that um, the platforms, and again, I'll just keep it in a kind of a store metaphor, these people are creating businesses. Mm -hmm. They're creating marketplaces. Um, I used to attend a church, and my pastor said, hey, not everybody is welcome in this church. Mm -hmm. said, if you want to come in here and sit down and listen and be polite and respectful to the people around you, mm -hmm. then I don't care if you're a devil worshiper or a drug dealer or a arms dealer. You're mm -hmm. more than welcome to come in. Right. But if you want to come in kicking over chairs and you want to come in here fighting people and spitting on the floor and acting crazy, mm -hmm. you're not welcome here. Mm -hmm. So you got to leave. It's not about the person. It's about the conduct. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think that these corporations, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Apples, the, 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 the Googles and all these guys and others that we, that are coming up and that'll come. Mm -hmm. I don't think at all that they have to be, um, allow people to say whatever they should take a stand in my opinion it's my company it, right even, just because i have a bunch of shareholders and maybe even some of those shareholders do hold those opinions of the people that we want to kick off the platform mm -hmm. it's like great you have a choice to not be a shareholder as well mm -hmm. i'm not forcing you to be a shareholder i'm not forcing you to um, listen or not listen mm -hmm. howard stern shock jock right Howard Stern had some amazingly funny stuff on his radio show years and years ago. Mm -hmm. But he also had some really borderline racist and bigoted stuff that he put on. He would make fun of uh, uh, special needs people. Mm -hmm. He would make fun of, 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 of all kinds of people groups. Mm -hmm. And that was just his deal. So either you liked it. And what was always crazy is that his, his co-host, her name was Robin. I can't remember her last name. She was a black woman. Mm -hmm. And she sat, A, she was a woman. And B, she was a black woman. So she had to hear and get it, you know, the kind of the misogynistic views and, and the womanizing views and, and then the racial things and then the completely insensitive things. And I would love to hear her story, how she sat there and kind of tolerated that or mm -hmm. what her, you know, because she, she was vocal sometimes, you know. Yeah. But again, I could either choose to listen to Howard Stern or not. Yeah. You know, and, and people that tune in knew what they were going to get. Um, so... These platforms, I think they have every right to say, you know what? That content is not suitable for our store. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And again, if we think about, you know, if we were to sell clothing, if we were to sell shirts and shoes and, and, and Kmart didn't want to carry our brand, mm -hmm. but Walmart did, hey, Kmart has every right not to carry our brand. Walmart can carry what they want. Right. You know, so these platforms are the same. And I, I, I applaud them when they take a stand and say, look. These are our values as an organization. These are things that we hold true. These are the things that we're striving for. And again, to your comment earlier, we are a corporation full of people, so we're going to blow it and we're going to violate them in places for sure. Mm -hmm. But as best we can, we're going to try to be honorable and curate this environment for the safety of the people that are coming here. Mm -hmm. I have never once in a million years had to concern myself with going on to anything Apple, anything Google. I mean, like, marketplaces mm -hmm. and worry that I was going to see something that was like shady or suspect that I have to shield from my kids. Yeah. However, if I just go to the straight internet and do a search, well, now that's a different story. Right. Even YouTube, right? I can't necessarily come up off on porn on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Not worried about that. 
go to some other sites, some other platforms. They're like, hey, that's part of our, we're, we're cool with it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've never felt like I had to shield myself from or shield my kids from certain platforms because I trust the integrity of their uh, policing and abuse and monitoring and reporting vehicles and, you know, systems that they have in place, the AI they have in place to kind of keep that content off the platform. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, some of it gets through and they seem to deal with it in a pretty swift way. Maybe not YouTube as much. They let mm-hmm. a lot of kind of crazy stuff live out there. Yeah. But I think they have every right to censor it and be curators. I want them to be curators personally. Yeah, you know? yeah I think that's a really interesting point. A lot of the times we start from the assumption that they want everyone on their platform. And that may be because, you know, in the case of Facebook, their goal is to connect the world. So they, their growth is the main objective. Um, and given that as the driving kind of the guiding light, as, as I mentioned earlier, if you look at that and then you use that lens to look at all of their actions afterwards, I think that can really help kind of clarify why are they running into these issues. Um, Twitter also, you know, they want to be as large as they can. They, they have to achieve scale. That, that's how these companies uh, get, get and remain profitable is by having everyone use them. So by kind of your, your call out there that, uh-huh. hey, you know, they could go in another direction and say, I don't want these people on my platform. I only want these people, these kind of people on my platform. It is well within their right to do that. There's just a, a market consequence to action and there's a market consequence to inaction. And they have to kind of weigh the pros and cons of, of whatever their decisions are and then, and then go with that. You know, is, is making this decision and this subsequent hit on our valuation worth it to us? Right, and, and, and that's why I say like going back to Apple, I think Apple taking these these stands yeah. and, 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 and positioning himself as saying, no, we're going to be people of integrity. We said that your content on your phone is private and we're not going to violate that. Mm-hmm. Even though we probably have the, 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 the men and women that could, that could open that phone and do that, we're not going to. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do our best to protect your data and your privacy and your information. We're going to do that. And we're going to give you tools to help monitor the way you use these devices so that you can be as digitally healthy as we can we can help you be right Mm -hmm. i bet you over the long term that's going to pay off better for them than saying all money is good money right because all money ain't good money right and i think apple i i honestly think this time i I don't know what you said it i mean i i I didn't last on twitter very long because it was just a bunch of mess Mm -hmm. now again that's not twitter's fault that's the platform and i don't think the mess that i'm seeing is really uh, offensive. It's just like there's a lot of people that are voicing a lot of opinions that are kind of hard to listen to all day. Mm-hmm. It's really tough for me. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and and Facebook the same. It's like you know I don't. There's n- Facebook just didn't work for me. I think it's a great platform and obviously wildly successful. And I think it's, I would love to see it continue to succeed. Mm-hmm. But I mean I could I could live without it. Yeah. Um, but that's just personal. You know. No. no you know. But um, yeah, I think these these, these platforms. Uh, um, I think Apple's going to do very well by saying, you know what, we don't want that here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, there's other platforms where you can go put that stuff that yeah. they'll they'll keep it. Yep, they'll take it. They'll take it, but we just don't want to take it here. Mm-hmm. You know, no, no hard feelings. If I saw you at a cocktail party, I'd probably shake your hand and say, hey, you're doing a great job. We just don't want that here. Right. You know, um, real quick, I, I told Jesse when we were starting, somebody asked me to be part of a business one time that I was just like, I don't want to be a part of that business. Mm-hmm. Sure, it would make a ton of money. And it would probably be a very uh, 
crazy, wild party lifestyle, living on the edge. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I don't want that for myself right. first. And then second, I don't really want to be associated with that type of business. Right. I could be wealthy as all get out right now, but it would kind of compromise who I personally choose to be in this life that we go, th- you know, as we go through it. Right. You know, so everything isn't for everybody. And if I met some of those people that were part of that industry or, or actually worked in that side of it, I wouldn't, I don't, I'm not going to hate on them. Right. It's no problem. It's just not right for me. Yeah. You know, so um, I applaud, I applaud the companies that are standing up and trying to keep our society, not our society, their platforms, you know, aligned to their goals and, and as much of a, and, 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 you know, maintaining as much integrity as they possibly can. Right. I, I admire it. So I think, you know, these platforms do a lot of good. Um, yeah. There's a lot of bad that happens, but there's a lot of good as well. There's a lot of small businesses that are started. There's a lot of audiences that are found because of the scale that these platforms have been able to achieve. And I think that their missions, as they believe them to be, are good and important to try and connect the world's communities to bring us all closer together as kind of an idealistic view on what Facebook is trying to do. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I think that the challenges that they're facing are challenges that have been a part of human nature um, since the dawn of time. And so trying to solve for how can I make this an experience that does not actively harm you, it's a a very tough challenge and there are a lot of really smart people working on it. And I hope that they succeed. You know, I hope that they can build what it is that they believe in um, moving forward and and can make that transition. You know, I I think what you said was really kind of poignant. Uh, all money ain't good money. And so figuring out what where that line is and sticking to it consistently, I think, uh, is going to be really important. Totally. And I think, you know, as we're, we're both in the product world and, and um, you know, I, I do, I, I do, I do admire the, the product managers and, you know, our, our, our VPs that have to make some of these hard decisions mm-hmm. about where we're going to go next. Because right there might be a, a, a whole host of features and functionality and, and services that people need. And we have to make that hard decision and say, gosh, I know you need it. Mm-hmm. And yes, we could build it, but really that's not going to help our core goals too. Cause it right. does have to be a win, win, win. Right. It has to be a win for us as the company, you as the customer, if it's just a B2C, if it's B2B, we need to serve you. Why? Because you're trying to serve a third customer that, you know, it all kind of has to work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, it's it's a, it's interesting because all money ain't good money. Right. You know? So earlier you, you touched on this topic um, of loyalty to a person versus loyalty to a cause, and I think that there was some more there that you might wanted to dig into. Yeah, I, um, you know, I think uh, you know we've all you know been in relationships and had friends and and uh, and and jobs mm-hmm. and uh, you know sometimes we're talking about like the values that some of these corporations are trying to uphold mm-hmm. I think you know we too have values and and recently you know one of our, our senators you know recently passed away and mm-hmm. you know they're kind of sharing his you know John McCain uh, senator from Arizona and and they're sharing his legacy you know mm-hmm. on like all the news channels and things like that and paying tribute to the man and you know a man of integrity from the in some of the most difficult situations mm-hmm. and all the way through, um, whether you agreed or disagree with his political uh, affiliation or his views, that's not really the point. The point mm-hmm. is that this individual said, "Hey, I'm 
this type of person. Mm -hmm. And no matter where I go, I'm going to be this type of person. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when he ran against uh, Obama for president, um, you know, there was a, a, a town hall where, you know, there was all the birther, uh, the birtherism kind of popping up and people were talking about, oh, I'm, I'm a little concerned that, you know, he's not actually an American citizen. I'm afraid, mm -hmm. you know, and it was a lady in this town hall. And it was a sad kind of a scene. You know, it's like this lady really believed these statements. Mm -hmm. And he said to himself, I have a decision to make right now. I can either stand here and take this for the win mm -hmm. and try to manipulate it and use it to fire up my base that believes like this lady might believe. Or I can be a person of integrity and stand and deliver on what I believe to be true in my heart. Mm -hmm. And he chose to, you know, stand and deliver and be a person of integrity where he said, hey, no, you don't have to be afraid. Mm -hmm. He's That's not true. He's not that. He's not that. He's not that. That's not true. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like we, we, we you know, I, I want us to be people that stand for what you believe in. Right. And not only the person. You know, I don't want you to be so committed to a, a, and this is gonna, this might gonna, this is gonna kind of sound like I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth, but, you know, you can be down for the cause, and the people that are kind of maybe leading the cause, mm -hmm. but then you know you can pump your brakes on the people that are leading as well, mm -hmm. you know, because like a lot of folks over throughout the course of history, they started off with an initiative or a motivation or a a, a a platform that was like, yes, I believe. And then they kind of got ahead of themselves. Mm -hmm. And while I might have been following X individual because I believed in what they believed and they happened to be the leader of that cause or movement, mm -hmm. they might have got too far out in front of themselves. And I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. You're losing the focus of the cause. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, I, I, I bring that up in part because I, I recently was, um, I, I had a call or an email from a recruiter for a really one of the top, top companies out there mm -hmm. and it was awesome it's like wow this is great and you know they they said hey you know we saw your profile on linkedin it's great linkedin definitely does its job for connecting people mm -hmm. um and they said you know we're building doing some leadership building some leadership teams here and we'd like to you know see if you're curious to understand what we're talking about this mm -hmm. that and the other and uh and you know we'd like to see if you want to you know kind of help us build these teams and I, I replied, I said, wow, number one, thank you for the, the, the shout out because it's always a huge compliment to get, you know, a, a, a tap on the shoulder from, you know, some of these reputable companies. Mm -hmm. So I definitely, you know, I think that's rather, rather flattering and awesome to even be considered. Yeah. Um, number two, I said, my answer is yes, I am extremely curious to know what you're into because I am a curious person. Mm -hmm. I want to know what everybody's up to. If it sounds interesting, I'm just curious by nature. So I want to know. Right. But three, the third part of my response was, however, if you're actually seeking to do some hiring and trying to build a team, right now I am passionate about trying to help my current organization grow mm -hmm. and do great, that you know, it probably wouldn't be a good fit for me at this time, but please keep me on your short list mm -hmm. you know, for the future in case this doesn't work out right. and you know, I need to have a, a place to, to go. Um, but I was like, you know, I really wanted to be you know, I'm like, man, a lot of people just try to go for the money grab mm -hmm. or get the, the, the prestigious, you know, icon on their resume, logo on their resume. And I'm like, you know what? You know, I don't know. I want to try to be more committed to my word, to my team, mm -hmm. try to be more committed to what we can build. Um, 
so you know, one is kind of a, an, a you know a, a bit of an integrity thing that I wanted to stand on. Mm-hmm. And again, there may come a time where I'm like, okay, hey, I've given all I could give in this organization, and it, you know, I, I can't do anymore, mm-hmm. um, and it might be time for me to move on. But um, but I always think those those larger organizations. I'm you know we're talking, and I'm I'm kind of one of those people that likes to go take a, a, a an idea. Uh, a company, an opportunity from zero to a hundred, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that when there's room to make improvement, that's an awesome place to be mm-hmm. versus when you go to an environment where it's already amazing. Right. It's like, wow, how can I really contribute here? Now I might be able to contribute because as you pointed out, there's tremendously smart people working on, you know, problems for companies that are completely refined and polished. Mm-hmm. And there's still room for improvement, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, so for me, that's not necessarily what I enjoy doing. And I'm not necessarily trying to do that at this particular point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, depending upon who you are, that might be what you're really, really good at. Right. You know, you might not be that person to take it from zero to 100. You might be that 100 to 1,000 person. It's a little bit slower, mm-hmm. a little bit more of a longer marathon type scenario, but you might be that person. So, um, but yeah, that was kind of, you know, where that idea came from just when that call came through. Right. So I'm going to ask you, um, first, when we say loyalty to a person versus loyalty to a cause, as you kind of touched on, those two don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can be loyal to a person and loyal to a cause. It's just in what order do you place those things? Yeah. Right. Like in many, if not most scenarios, the cause is probably ahead of the person. Um, Hopefully. But in, there are maybe a few relationships where you're, you're going to put the person above the cause. Now, I don't know. You know, maybe that's your wife. Maybe that's your husband, you know, and scenarios like that. But I'm interested to hear from you your thoughts on um, striking when the iron's hot versus missing the boat. Mm. And, you know, there is there does come a point where the loyalty to a cause. Well, I, actually, I'll just leave it there. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, there does come a point when loyalty to the cause, (laughs) (laughs) um, again, I think what's cool about life is that, you know, you gotta, you gotta make your own way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a, an, an old scripture that says, you know, you gotta make your own way prosperous. Mm -hmm. Prosper, prosperity is different for everybody. Mm -hmm. I was just talking to a coworker today and I was telling him when I lived in the Bay area, the amount of money I had to make Mm -hmm. was unbelievable. Right. Here, I don't have to make that much money. Right. And therefore, I don't need it. So Corwin isn't driven by money. Sure, I want to make as much as I can, Mm -hmm. but my life is not driven by money. I'm going to die inside of 40 or 50 years. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to enjoy this life and embrace people and make as much of an impact as I can where I can. Mm -hmm. Don't get me twisted. I'm still going to go for mine. If I can get it, I'm going to get it. Right. But it's like, you know, um, so I think that, you know, you have to, Define for yourself what what are you trying to achieve? If you're trying to achieve success and you want to, you know, strike while the iron's hot. And mm-hmm. I think Cheryl Sandberg, Sandberg said, uh, you know, when somebody asks you to get on a rocket ship, you know, don't ask where, which seat. Mm-hmm. Just, just get on right. and go for it. Hey, man, if you have those opportunities, I am 100% all about take that ride. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and uh just make sure you park your car and pack a parachute, <laughs> you know, close to the <laughs> launch pad and, and take a parachute, you know, because, again, it might work out. And, wow, that'll be amazing. And if it doesn't work out, that's OK. You can float back down and get mm-hmm. in the car and go on over to something else because now you've got an amazing story that and, and experiences that will carry you on to other things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, but missing the boat, man, I've missed so many boats. Mm -hmm. You know, I literally had when Uber was launching in 2007, I was across the bay and I had a concept called Yo Taxi that was a same concept, but it was serving under represented parts of the community where taxi cab drivers didn't want to come. And but I didn't have the uh, insight, the the knowledge, the. Uh, connections mm-hmm. and really quite honestly the courage mm-hmm. to go and pitch this idea and say hey I think there's an application here where we could do a different type of a prepaid ride solution for people in the hood that where these cab drivers don't want to go mm-hmm. might not have worked but you know but then uber pops up and I'm like wow that was in parallel you know mm-hmm. same time same time and space so I've missed a lot of boats in that respect but I think you learn from missing those boats too mm-hmm. And you say, okay, great. Next time, I'm not going to be so timid. Mm-hmm. Next time, I am going to call some of these VCs. Next time, I am going to do my homework better and put together a proper prototype and build a team and 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 do and learn from those mistakes. Right. You know, so I don't have any regrets from missing the boats because I've missed a lot of boats, especially living in the Bay Area, man. There's boats <laughs> zooming all around you, um, which is cool, you know, but you learn a lot. And then you're, you know, you're, you're, you can help other people. Uh, you know, one of my passions is to help people find what they love to do for a living, mm-hmm. you know? So if you come in and you say, like when you were kind of looking around and doing some things like, oh man, I got this opportunity for this, exp- you know, this uh, conversational intelligence. Hey bro, that might be something you want to jump on. Yeah. You know, being a designer is great. Being an interaction designer is great and building stuff is great, but that's the future. And you know, it'd be, you might want to really kind of think three, four times about that. You mm-hmm. know, that's where I find like the, the joys, you know, um, so yeah, so I think you know definitely you're gonna miss the boat sometimes and learn from it. Don't don't and get back up and keep going. Right. You know. Um, yeah, definitely get back up and keep going. Yeah, I, I think that's a really insightful answer. And I know for a lot of people out there in the industry, that's a really difficult kind of question to balance. Um, when do I go versus when do I stay? Um, yeah. When is the when is the opportunity worth the risk? And when should I? stick it out, you know, and, and prove that I can stay. Yeah. Uh, I think the average tenure for designers right now, um, mid-level is like 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a certain portion of that where that's the right, that's the right cadence. And there's another portion of that where maybe you stick around a little bit longer, you'll learn more things that are more valuable in other ways. Yeah. And so trying to figure out where that balance lies is important. And I think you mentioned something earlier where you said, um, once I feel like I've given all that I can give and I've kind of satisfied my own integrity requirements for myself, that's when I'll, I'll be more open to opportunities. And I think that's, I think that's a good kind of um, standard for those who are out there thinking about when is it time to make the next move? Have you done everything that you can do? Do you truly feel within yourself that I've given it my all here and it's time for me to pursue another opportunity? And I think that's a great way of putting it. And I think I like what you said. Have I given my all? Have I done the best that I could do? Have I have I tried and turned over every stone? Because that's what employers need. If I mm-hmm. hire you, let's say we, we're doing a startup and I hire you. Dude, I'm hiring you to help us get to that mountaintop. Mm-hmm. So if you come in and you're like, yeah, I've done enough. Oh, man, that kind of sucks for me as the person that's trying to build this 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 organization, company, program, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, dang, I really need you to help me still. We're not there yet. Right. But if you're going to go, I understand. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, I think if you've really exhausted all your options and you've really tried everything that you can and you really feel like you've learned as much as you can, then that's the time for you 
and again, this can be different for everybody, mm-hmm. case by case. I'm not saying this is don't this isn't like you know advice for everybody to to, to live by, but right. then you can sit back and open yourself up mm-hmm. for new opportunities, and you might find opportunities right where you're at. Right. It might be a new job across town. It might be more money down the street, but it might be new opportunities right where you're at. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a case in point. I was getting kind of frustrated with a particular job uh, because, again, I felt like I had just tried to turn over every leaf and try every strategy and give it our all. Team was great, blah, 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 blah. And I was really getting burnt out because, you know, there is a time where you feel like your efforts are in vain, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we feel like giving up sometimes. That's for sure. But fortunately, there were others in my midst that saw that I was giving it all, my all. Mm-hmm. And they came to me and they said, hey, I have something here that just came across my desk that I don't have the bandwidth or the capacity to really see through. Mm-hmm. And this is like it's right up your alley. Would you be willing to uh, sit with me for a few and let me kind of share what this is and see if you want to take it and run with it? Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's really I appreciate that, you know, A, that you've noticed me, mm-hmm. B, that you saw my contributions to date, and you said, wow, this guy's really putting in work. I can trust him with this initiative. Mm-hmm. And then letting me see if it's a good fit. Right. Man, you can't get that from bouncing from company to company to company to company. Yeah. Job to job to job, shop to shop to shop. You can't get it. Right. Now, I'm in a different place in my career, so things like that happen because, you know, it's just I'm just moving a little bit slower these days. Mm-hmm. But when I was early days, I did hop around because I felt like I had to gain as much experience and, and, and open myself to as many opportunities as I possibly could yeah. to learn as much as I could yeah. and, and, and develop an expertise and a credibility and go from one agency to another to another, freelance, startup, companies, corporate, blah, 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 teaching environments, et cetera, right. to build up that credibility that now when I look back, I've got all this amazing experience that is extremely valuable in almost every single day of my life today. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. So when you're early in your career, I say take advantage of as many opportunities as you can. Yeah. Um, I would, I wouldn't advise chasing money. Yeah. I really wouldn't. I mean, if you're making, you know, $20,000 and somebody offers you $60,000, of course, go get that money. Yeah. But really, if you can afford, and again, a designer friend of mine, who's a purist, um, his name was Paul Sang, great designer, but he's a designer to his core, like one of the original guys. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, it's not about money. If you do what you love and you're great at what you do, people will pay you to do what you love. Mm-hmm. And I live by that. And I said, all right, Paul, I'm going to trust that that word. And I'm going to I'm going to try to live my life by it. And it's been pretty true for the most part, mm-hmm. you know, Um Sure, there's jobs I think I should have got that I didn't get. Yeah. Sure, there's deals that I should have won that I didn't win. Sure, there's ideas that didn't go my way in a in a in a, in a boardroom or in a, in a meeting or in a collaboration that I think should have. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I I just want I just want whatever I'm a part of to be successful and win. Mm-hmm. So you know, if I take that approach, I'm I'm not always trying to uh, get my way and bounce around as much and you know, but. But you open, you keep yourself open to hearing other ideas too. Mm-hmm. If I think I'm walking in this conference room and I'm going to tell them my idea, and if they don't buy it, I'm going to get pissed and I'm going to walk out of here. That's only going to last so long, right? You know what I mean. So, um, you know, you got to you got to fill it out for yourself and, and kind of make your own way prosperous. That's great. I love it. Um, so, 
one of the other things that we were discussing that I think fits really well with that is this idea of matching your portfolio to the job that it is that you want. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I over the years I've had a lot of people reach out and you know um, ask me to help them review their portfolio, or do you have any ideas? Or hey, I'm transitioning from one industry to the other. Um, surprisingly, we've I've, I've come across a, a, a fair amount of people who are transitioning from the newspaper industry mm-hmm. and, and journalism over to like you know um, interaction design and, and user experience and, and design because yeah. they're like wow that that industry is kind of dwindling yeah it'll I think it'll always still be there but just not as prominent as it and as many jobs available as it used to be right um, but you know and then I'll get other people that that are like oh I'm, I'm a student or hey what do you think about my portfolio hey you you know I sent my resume in you didn't really respond too favorably to my my, my body of work what could I do to improve it right and I really appreciate those people that do reach out and ask myself or anybody whoever you respect or or whatever mm-hmm. and ask their opinion i think that's a very good practice yeah um, but i think what you need to do is you need to really before in that asking um and for those of you that are on the receiving end of the ask you should sit down for a second and try to define well what are you trying to do mm-hmm. are you trying to get a job in product development are you trying to get a job in a, uh, advertising agency mm-hmm. are you trying to get your jo- a job at a, at a motion graphics firm are you trying to get a job in, you know, um, you know, whatever industry, right? And then I think your 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 portfolio should do everything possible to, you know, answer the questions that those audiences are really kind of asking mm-hmm. when they're looking at your book. So if you're trying to get a job in product development, product management, and you want to start building building uh, software and and apps and things like that and web apps then you might want to try to find designers that are on LinkedIn. It's LinkedIn is an amazing tool. Mm-hmm. Try to find people that work in those types of companies that are maybe mid-level designers or maybe even art directors or, 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 or UX managers or leaders or whatever. Mm-hmm. Reach out to them and say, hey, I'm trying to get a job in similar career, that you know, similar industry you work in. Yeah. Can you take a look at my book and help give me some pointers? Yeah. And I'm, it, might, it might behoove you to not even go to the companies that you're actually looking for a job at. Right. You know, because it'd be like, oh, hey, Google, I'm trying to, you know, <laughs> hey, Facebook, what do you think about my portfolio? It's like, dude, I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> you're not slick, you know, but really, seriously, try to find people that you think are reputable. Look at their portfolios. Look at their LinkedIn profile. How many followers do they have? What kind of jobs have they held? Mm-hmm. And uh, I recently did that with the uh, there's a thing for the Envision Design Leadership Forum. Mm-hmm. And I looked at maybe, you know, 50 percent of all the people that were featured on their you know, um, that they featured on their, their, their website. Right. And I looked at their resumes and I looked at their portfolios just to see what is your, how do you present yourself to the world? Right. You know, so I think first ask what job you're really trying to get. What are you really trying to accomplish by this thing? And then, uh, maybe seek some counsel from people that are in the industry and have kind of gone where you're trying to go. Yeah. You know, I always enjoy our discussions. Yeah, for sure. And I was good one. Thanks for listening to stay up to date with all things colored by design. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. And if you enjoyed listening, please leave us a positive rating on your platform of choice, and we'll see you next time. Cheers.